I would imagine there's been a few times in your life where you've started out a day and it's been a rather ordinary day, and then it was interrupted by events that made it anything but ordinary. That's kind of the story we have this morning, but I would also guess that your ordinary day has never been interrupted quite like this. Not in this miraculous kind of way. Because this is an unusual story. Peter is an ordinary fisherman doing his ordinary job on the lake that in this text is called the Lake of Gennesaret. For those of you who read the Bible, especially the Gospels, you may hear other lakes and You may think they're different than Lake Genesaret, but there's three names for this lake that are used in the Gospels and in the ancient world. Lake Genesaret, Lake Galilee, and also Lake Tiberias, all the same lake. It was a pretty large lake. It was very important for the seaside villages along the banks. The lake was about 13 miles long and about 8 miles across. And it was a great place to fish, not just for fun, but for a vocation. So villages were scattered all along that lake. Some of them may have been at least 15,000 in population. At least nine, the archaeologists tell us, at this time were scattered along that lake. And on this particular day, Jesus had just finished doing a flurry of miracles in Capernaum. And while in Capernaum, he decided to go down by the seashore and begin to teach. And people started gathering around. And then the crowd started increasing, you know, after a little while. Sort of like 10 minutes after the service starts here. You know how that goes, yeah. The crowd started growing. And and Jesus actually made a pretty practical decision. He said to Peter, Peter, I need your boat. And so he got in the boat, and and he pushed it out just a little off the shore. Now, why would he do that? Again, practicality. Along that lake, there were these little inlets, natural coves. And in these natural coves, because of the way it was configured, if you stood with your back to the water, especially if you were on a boat, it produced an amphitheater kind of effect. And in my reading this week, I read about an individual who had been at that very spot or where they think was that very spot. And he said, even today, if you stand down by the water's edge with your back to the sea, you can practically whisper and be heard for hundreds of yards out. It was a wonderful place to speak, and Jesus knew that. And he got in the boat, and then he sat down. And when I first read that, I thought, that's a good idea. I'd sit down too, you know. Um, Who wants to stand up in a boat? You might tip over, but really, that's not the reason. It might have been one of the reasons, but I think the major reason was because rabbis sat down to teach the people. Jesus basically took Peter's boat and he turned it into his own synagogue, a place of teaching the word. He sat down in the boat and he started to teach, and people listened. That was good. That was great. It was better than an ordinary day. As a matter of fact, for Peter, it might have been a great day. He was hanging out with Jesus. Jesus was using his boat to teach the people. I mean, that's better than just fishing. But that ordinary day 
because of a turn in the road, because of a command to Jesus turned into an extraordinary miracle. As a matter of fact, Jesus said to Peter, uh, let's push out a little further. Matter of fact, let's go out into the deep water, Peter, and throw your nets overboard. Let's go fishing, Peter. And Peter says, Lord, but come again. Go fishing. It's not mentioned in the text, but this is really what's behind it. Go fishing now. First of all, we've been fishing all night. They're not biting, Lord. Well, back then they just swam into the net. They're not swimming into the net, Lord. We've been out there all night. We've worked really hard. And besides that, you know you don't throw your nets down in the middle of the day. They'll never swim in then. But because you say so, I'll do it. So he goes further out into the water, drops down the net. You know the rest of the story. The boat's overwhelmed. The boat is so overwhelmed that he calls for partners. Another boat or two come along, and that one and those are overwhelmed. Everybody's overwhelmed by this miraculous, massive catch of fish. And Jesus is just standing there. I, I want to say to myself, he's saying to himself, didn't I tell you so? Just cast over your nets, fellas. Peter's response at this point, he, he must have been having a good day by then, but this day was not what he expected at all. He actually, he just fell face down in front of Jesus. I mean, he just said, holy mackerel. No, he didn't. <laughs> he, maybe he said holy tilapia, because there was a lot of tilapia in the Lake Genesaret. Maybe Luke edited that out. No, Luke probably said exactly what Peter said. He fell face down and he said, Holy Jesus. Not disrespectfully, not as a swear phrase, but really, Holy Jesus. You know, his response is absolutely consistent with all the responses we read about in the Old and New Testament when God shows up. When an angel of the Lord appears, when an epiphany that's overwhelming appears, people fall face down and they say, oh my God, I'm in trouble. God's in front of me. I might as well be dead. That's Peter's response. So the day starts out as an ordinary day, a day that probably Peter was enjoying, at least at the beginning, and then Jesus comes and nearly destroys his boat, and then Peter falls face down and says, I'm a sinful man, you're too holy, get out of here, get off my boat. Jesus, it sounded good to begin with, but I can't handle this. Leave me. And Jesus, though the text doesn't put it quite that way, I want to believe that he just reached down his hand and said, Peter, get up. Don't be afraid because everything's changed. From this moment on, you're not going to catch fish anymore. You're going to catch men. Come and follow me. Peter is so dumbfounded so awestruck, so speechless, which was utterly not like Peter, that he just got up with his partners, left everything behind, 
and follow Jesus. That ordinary day turned into an extraordinary miracle. And then it produced a dramatic change of life. Peter just left his work and followed Jesus. And for three years he walked around behind this master. For three years he heard his teaching up close and personal in a way that we could only dream of. For three years he saw miracles that would dwarf this one. No more just little fish out of the sea. We're talking blind men from birth healed. We're talking people who couldn't walk, got up and danced and shouted for joy. We're talking about children who had diseases and their father was so overwhelmed by love for them that he asked Jesus to heal them. And Jesus said, you know what? Your faith is great. I don't need to come with you. Just go back home. She's okay. He saw one thing after another like that when he followed Jesus. And then he followed him to the Garden of Gethsemane and tried to protect him in the fury of the moment. It sliced off the servant's ear of the high priest. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. And, and then... He watched him go to the cross and die, and he couldn't stand it, so he ran away. That's what happened when Peter followed Jesus. That's when this extraordinary miracle, which started out as an ordinary day, turned into an absolutely dramatic change of life. And Peter followed Jesus. Oh, by the way, he followed Jesus all the way to his death. He became a martyr. Tradition says, crucified upside down at his own request because he didn't want to be crucified the way his Lord had been crucified. Didn't think it was appropriate. Crucify me upside down. Wow, what a day. One day, maybe one hour, changed everything in his life. We're in a series called Rediscovering Jesus. And for those of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, studying Jesus, trying to understand him, it's appropriate to try to rediscover him from time to time. Maybe, though, you're here and you have never really discovered Jesus at all. You are curious. You're, you're wondering about what it's like. Let me remind both parties of something. Actually, three major things. If you want to discover Jesus or rediscover Jesus, he's going to ask you to follow him. And here's three things you should know. Number one, Jesus is more than a friend on your fishing boat. He doesn't come just to hang out. He doesn't come just to fish. He comes to change your life. See, on that day when Peter invited Jesus onto his boat, I think it must have been a great day for him. He must have been delighted. Hey, he was basking in the glow of Jesus, the teacher, with hundreds of people all over the hillside. But the investment for Peter originally, it, it didn't really compare to what Jesus was about to do. Because Jesus didn't just climb on the boat. 
Oh, at the beginning, it seemed like that. As a matter of fact, it's quite possible that Peter could have just gone right on washing and mending his nets while Jesus talked. That's what he was doing when Jesus showed up. And he might have been inspired by the exceptional teaching of this man called Jesus, a lot like you or I are inspired by a great piece of music in a concert or driving along in a car or listening to a motivational speaker. And the investment, well, it's minimal. You don't have to do anything. That's the way it started, you see. But when Jesus gets on your boat, he's there for bigger reasons. Nothing at the beginning needed to change until Peter encountered this amazing event. Because, you see, the blessing nearly sank the boat. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. So first, Jesus is more than a friend on on your fishing boat. Second, Jesus challenges you to step out of your comfort zone. You see that in the story? (laughs) He shows up as more than a fishing partner, more than a buddy. He asks you to do things that take you right out of your comfort zone. I mean, straight up, he asks Peter to do something that Peter thinks is Well, just inconvenient. Lord, we've been fishing all night. We're utterly tired. It's the end of my day. You're asking me to start my work day all over again. Can can we try a different time? Have you ever been there? I mean, when God calls. When you feel the prompting of the Spirit to move in a particular direction, when you hear the voice of Jesus, and he calls you and you think, Really, Lord, now? It's it's really inconvenient. Can I have some time to think? You mean you just want me to respond? To do it? Yes. Throw your nets in. You know, there's something else that Jesus does to challenge our comfort zone in this story. He not only catches us at unexpected and inconvenient times, he does things that are really counterintuitive and counter-rational. He gives us advice that frequently just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Peter said, okay, I know you know teaching, Jesus. I'll give you that one, but I know fishing. And this is not the time to fish. It doesn't make any sense to me. Do you throw your nets over, Peter? God routinely does that too, doesn't he? He takes us out of our comfort zone by challenging us to do something that just seems absolutely counterintuitive and, well, counter-rational. Peter might have thought to himself before he fell down at Jesus' feet and got the invitation to follow, he might have thought to himself, okay, that's great, but my boat's sinking. Talk about being out of my comfort zone. I didn't call you to get on my boat so you could destroy it. But you know what? That's the third thing. When you invite Jesus onto your boat, he's got to turn your life upside down. He always does. You see, Jesus doesn't just want to become your lifeboat. Oh, he is your lifeboat, no doubt. He doesn't want to just become your lifeboat. 
He wants to take over your life. Take over your life. And turn it upside down. You know, I think that we have a tendency, and this is a criticism of me and you, okay? I'm in this with you. I understand. We got a tendency to treat Jesus like a bonus check at our job or a dessert after a great meal. My life is wonderful and I'm going to add Jesus and he's going to top it off and it's going to be even better. And Peter might have been thinking the same thing when he walked out onto that boat with Jesus and invited him aboard. Hey, this is great. My life's just fine. Jesus is going to make it better. But before it's all over, his attitude entirely changes. It's no longer Jesus as the dessert at the end of the at the dessert at the end of the meal. It's Peter face down in front of Jesus saying, Get away from me, you're too holy for me. I can't take this, Lord. Jesus does want to turn our life upside down. You know, I've got a friend um, who has told me a couple of different times, and we joke about it, that um in the morning, when it's time to pray, uh, he goes to his basement, but he's afraid to go down there without turning the light on. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> really? Well, look, I want to tell you something. My friend's not afraid of the dark. You know what he's afraid of? He's afraid of the powerful presence of Jesus. It's symbolic. When he enters the basement in the dark, he's haunted by the presence of God. We laugh about it, but the more I've thought about it, it seems appropriate. When you enter the presence of God, you ought to be just a little bit nervous. Because God will call you outside your comfort zone and he'll turn your life upside down if you listen. And that's what happened to Peter on this day. Everything seemed ordinary. And then Jesus stepped in. Now, I want to ask a question of you, do, do you actually want Jesus to kind of shake it up a little bit? Maybe you're at the place that you feel like you need a shake up. It's time for Jesus to enter your space. Well, then maybe the first thing you need to do is to fall down in awe of Jesus. Maybe you just need to stand in his presence and be absolutely overwhelmed by the master of your soul and the creator of the universe. Instead of just seeing him as your buddy. Oh, he is a friend of sinners. There's always that paradox. But he's the Lord of the universe too. 
You know, I, I want to remind you of something you know. That if you encounter Jesus in a dramatic way, it doesn't mean that you are going to have necessarily a change of vocation exactly like Peter's, right? But Jesus will change your vocation. He'll change your life. He'll redefine your reality. If you really want to discover or rediscover Jesus, and you would like to see Jesus invade your space and take you out of your comfort zone and turn your life upside down, before you get all crazy and radical about what you think Jesus is calling you to do, let me make a suggestion. Start with one thing that is very simple. That you know Jesus is calling you to do. Here's why I say that. I'm absolutely confident that everybody in this building knows one small thing that Jesus is calling you to do. If you don't know one small thing, you have no idea who you are. You're a sinful human being, just like me, and you're in the presence of Jesus, and you know for sure there's at least one thing Jesus is calling you to do. So start there, and then see what happens. You know, this is a wonderful story, this fish story. <laughs> um, and it changed Peter's life. But I want to conclude this story with a story that wasn't read. It comes at the very end of the Gospel of John. Peter had gone to the empty tomb and he knew Jesus was alive. And as a matter of fact, Jesus had appeared to his disciples twice. And on this final third occasion, Peter and the other disciples were still bewildered. Still wondering what to do. What did this resurrection mean? And Peter turned to his friends. I would imagine some that were in the company of him that first day. And he said to them, look, fellas, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. So they got on the boat. And they went back out on this same sea to catch some fish. And when morning came, there was somebody on the shore. And the somebody shouted out, Hey guys, you got any fish out there? And John, who writes this story in his gospel, said the beloved disciple, which was him that Jesus loved, turned to Peter and said, Peter, that's the Lord. And Peter jumped overboard, swam or waded however deep the water was, and went in to see Jesus. He was always like that. Just crazy, compulsive, go do it. He went to see the Lord. And the rest of the disciples, they pulled in the boat with the fish. And as Peter walked up on the shore, 
Jesus was already there with the fire, cooking them some fish. And he said, hey, fellas, sit down. Let's have breakfast. The risen Lord. You know what that story tells me? Peter's come full circle. Peter, the ordinary fisherman, still an ordinary man. Peter, the ordinary fisherman, hears from his Lord, and his Lord says, I'm going to enter the little stuff in your life, every little bit of it, right down to the fish, and I will always be with you. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. You know how the story ends? While they're eating their fish, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, yes, I love you, Lord. And Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. And then a pause took place, and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And he asked him a third time, Peter, do you, do you really love me? Peter's insulted by this point. He says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says the same thing. Then feed my sheep. See, Peter, I called you a long time ago, three years to be exact, to follow me, and I promised that you, you could reach out your arms and you'd pull in men for my kingdom, not fish, but people. And now I'm telling you, there's a new job on the horizon. I want you to feed my sheep. It wasn't long after that that Peter, with the other disciples, was there on the day of Pentecost, and he stood up, and he proclaimed the good news about Jesus. And 3,000 people came to Christ. I bet you that was more than the fish he caught the first time. And the church exploded. And then after that, Peter fed the sheep. I'd imagine he thought to himself when Jesus first asked, okay, Lord, I get it, I'll feed your sheep, and whatever little flock you give me, I'm happy to do that, and then boom, there's 3,000, and then there's more. And then, you know what's amazing? Peter had no idea that today he'd be feeding you, God's sheep. His story has been feeding sheep for 2,000 years to multiplied millions of people. You know what? Jesus is not safe. He'll take you out of your comfort zone. But my, is he good. And if you just surrender your life to him, you have no idea what he's going to do. But it will be what you were made for. Let's pray. God, I thank you that uh, you surprise us on ordinary days and unexpected ways, just like you did for Peter. I thank you that, like on that occasion, um, you continue to repeat miracles, not with fish, but with other revelations in our life. You invade our space. Ask us to step out of our comfort zones and to follow you. We thank you for the call, Lord. 
as difficult as it is because we know that you're good. We know that you, Lord, are our good shepherd. And that no matter how difficult it may be, you lead us to green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our soul. You lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And you even walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. What a great gift, Lord. Give us the will and the heart to follow you, to hear your call, and to be your disciples. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.